You're listening to a not-for-print podcast, independent Australian podcasting. This episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands was recorded on the land of the Gadigal-Wongal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present, and we acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and this always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Enjoy the episode. Hey folks, David James Young here, back for another week of All My Friends Earn Bar Bands. Hope you are doing well. It is the second week of March and we are back once again with a brand new episode. This week we're talking to Sydney singer-songwriter Huck Hastings. Last week, Huck released his debut solo album entitled Cheers to Progress, and tonight he is going to be launching it with a full band show at the Darlinghurst Theatre Company. I believe there's still a couple of tickets left, so if you are literally hearing this the day it comes out, then head down and check it out. Uh, If you're hearing this after the day it comes out, I hope it was a good show. <laughs> uh, I met uh, Huck, aka Harry, uh, last year when he was supporting Jack Cowell at the Oxford Art Factory in Sydney, uh, and then just saw him around a bunch, and uh, just incredibly uh, polite and, and lovely guy, uh, a great songwriter. Yeah, definitely one of the more promising performers in the Sydney scene right now. Uh, he was on the campaign trail for his debut album, looking to uh, get the word out there. Yeah, similarly to uh, when I had uh, Lisa Caruso on last year, I was just like, you know what? I have a platform. It's not much of a platform, but I would like to use it all the same and uh, get you out to the same people that, you know, might be interested in the other kind of bigger names that are on this podcast. And yeah, that's what I'm hoping to do today. So there's a potential chance that you might not know Harry's music, but I hope today intrigues you enough to go and check it out because he is making some really earnest and really beautiful uh, indie rock that has a very, very, very special place. And uh, I can see it going even further from here. There's a world of potential and uh, I'm, I'm super excited to see where Huck Hastings goes from here. So, thanks to Huck for having me over at his place in Sydney to record this and a big thank you to you guys for continuing to listen and support. I know I tell you this every week, but we literally can't do this podcast without you. It's supported by people just like yourselves. If you like what you hear, then there are a few ways that you can help us out, uh, namely leaving a review over on Apple Podcasts, five stars if you could, Uh, Don't forget to subscribe as well wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you are in a position to do so, it would mean the world to have you supporting over on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. You help to keep the lights on over at DJYHQ. 
supporting me in all of my endeavours as a freelance writer, a podcaster, and a musician. For more information on that, head over to patreon.com slash David James Young. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash David James Young. In the meantime, if you would like to get in touch, barbandspod at gmail.com. B-A-R-B-A-N-D-S-P-O-D. You can also hit up the Not For Print Podcast Network on Instagram at Not For Print Pods. You can follow me on Instagram at D-J-Y-Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. And that's going to do it for now. Let's cross over now to my chat with the lovely, lovely young man, Huck Hastings. I can't click attending because I'm not sure I can go. I would like to, like to party, but they make me feel alone. I suss out all the exits for the fastest way to go so I can run to you, run to you. My friends, they all get upset cause I never wanna hang I always leave it open, can't make us all a plan The only place I wanna Hi everyone, I'm David Jane Chong and all my friends are in bar bands Today I would like to introduce you to my friend Huck Hastings Howdy, how you going? I'm very well, thank you, how are you? I'm good, excited I'm excited, Yeah. of course, so you should be You're a week out from your album coming out, is that right? Yeah Whew yeah, I'm pumped. Oh, I'm also man. excited to do the podcast. <laughs> bit, bit nervous. Well, it's a, well, it's an exciting time. Yeah, in general, just like uh, put out a new single today, like the day that uh, we're recording this, and then album comes out next week, and then the week after that, you've got your launch show. So you know, just how do you process kind of that limbo period where it's just like I've done everything that I can, and now I can't show you yet. You know, because I'm assuming you've been sitting on this record for a while. Yeah, I mean, like, the songs, yes. Like, ye- like I mean, some of them for years. Yeah. Like, I wrote the record in, like... I wrote it over and over again in, like, kind of different incarnations of how I was feeling about the subject matter. And right. I used it to kind of process the subject matter. So, almost right. once I'd written some of those songs, I didn't feel that way about it anymore. Right. But I finished it properly during COVID. I kind of looked at this, all of the songs that I had and then picked the ones that I wanted to include and then looked at what was missing and I wrote a couple more. Right. And then I got, got it recorded. So it was, yeah, they've been done for a, like a few months now. Yeah, yeah, But, yeah. you know, it's, I've been playing them live. So people know, like, people know them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it was, yeah, obviously the live environment, which kind of we crossed paths for the first time. Like, I saw you play with Jack Cowell, mm-hmm. and then I saw you play with Andy Ball, and then I saw you play with Good Patch. Like, in the interim, like, your other band um, started playing shows as well, and just, like, it, it's it's a weird time to, like, because everyone remembers 2020 as the, you know, the year that live music kind of died. And just in the tail end there, like, you were everywhere for a while. Like, it was an insanely busy few months. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, obviously, COVID was a really terrible time for so many different people. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I got a good end of that, that stick. I mean, for the for me, it was definitely a time of, like, reevaluating and knuckling into the things that I want want to do like I, yeah. I stopped working um full-time and decided to just really do it yeah um, yeah and so I kind of I got the record done I, I've written a lot a lot more for the next record I started that other band so I just kind of took to task I'm not very good at doing nothing and so yeah right 
when I've, I'm all of a sudden not working, like the first few weeks I was just running around in my pajamas. Like I moved the TV into my bedroom and I was like a crazy person just watching the news. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> my housemates oh. were like, are you okay? <laughs> Where's the TV? <laughs> he won't stop eating cheese. <laughs> yeah, it was really a really productive time. And though it took me a lot of time to get used to, like I've, I've always worked a lot. Right. Um, whether that is in like, multiple casual jobs or end on my music but I used yeah. I used to use having less time like if I you know I'd say I would be working five six seven days a week mm. and then I would use that the fact that I only had such a short amount of time to fuel myself with the music like it forced me to like really take advantage of that t- spare time that I had yeah and so when I stopped working I had this expansive amount of time and I wasn't I, was, I can be quite self-punishing I don't know what to like, I'm like it made me feel a bit lazy and I didn't know what to do. Right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so trying to strike that balance of letting myself actually rest and and also working mm. during that period of time and being productive. Has yeah, been, just yeah. kind of striking that balance. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's super important for sure. So I begin these by tracing back the initial interest in music, specifically where it changes from being something that you are watching on TV, listening to on the radio, etc., to switching over and being, this is what I want to do. I want to sing, I want to play guitar, I want to be in a band, I want to make music, I want to write songs, all that sort of stuff. Like, Can you tell me how music factored into your childhood and your upbringing and if there was a particular moment for you? Yeah, it's probably like a few different incarnations of like different things. I mean, my, my dad is a guitarist, so right. like that would, would have factored into it, I'm sure, yeah, subconsciously. Yeah, yeah. I joined the school band and I played bass. Mm. And by played bass, I mean the the band master terrified me. And so I just turned the bass down and pretended to play the bass <laughs> until I just decided to stop going. And so I just stopped turning up to the bass lessons. And then at home, dad tried to teach me and I wasn't very interested and I couldn't really, you know, I kind of need to just jump in and do things for myself. Mm. Um, and my dad's quite classically trained as well. And I'm, I'm not, I can't read music and I just kind of fumble away yeah, yeah, my yeah. way through. I mean, the first kind of, like, major fanboy moment was, like, I remember seeing Two Become One by the Spice Girls on the TV, yes. and I was just like, oh, my God, what, a what is this? Yeah. And I was like, I want to do that. Who was um, your favorite? Come on. Everyone I, had I a was favorite. baby at the time. Baby? I just yeah, okay. In, I was baby in the talent quest. I did, the, did a dance to Spice of Your Life. Wow. Yeah. Damn. But um, I, I like Sporty Spice now. Yeah, I think it's she's Mel, my Mel C's where yeah. it's at, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I'll turn to you as like the ultimate banger. Yeah, like not only the most objectively talented of the five of them, but she had the most hand in co-writing and she had the best solo record. Yeah, she's like incredible. yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a very easy, easy win for me. Yeah. Whereabouts did you grow up? All around Sydney. Like I've lived in all different places. My parents moved a lot. We were like kind of constant renters and const- right. constant movers. But yeah, kind of started in like... Campbelltown and then moved over to like the North Shore mm. and like bounced around like kind of you know northern beaches like I went to school in Neutral Bay and then at Mossman High so right for that I was in their art program so but we just literally moved all the time like every six months or so yeah yeah there's a relatively easy access to to music you know you just cross the bridge and you you're there amongst it like were you getting out to like shows much in like high school or like were you and your friends going to see bands on the weekend or that sort of shit um like not obviously because we couldn't get into over 18s shows yeah yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, we would go to the big like shows all ages matinee and shows and yeah 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 and i had some friends in high school who were actually in bands that were starting to be allowed to play venues but we weren't allowed in 
Oh God, the, yeah. <laughs> um, which was like, yeah, kind of fun. But we, we we would go to what we could, and then obviously the other ones were just the bigger shows. I remember back to the end, more going and seeing like the Hives and oh, amazing, yeah, 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 all of all of those kind of bigger concerts. Sick. But we also all played a lot, so we just yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what do you remember about the first time that you played live? When and where was it? Oh, God. I was, like, such a terrified, terrified performer. I mean, the first time was a busking competition. I literally ran off crying. Oh, my God. Wow. Um, I was just, like, I got up and I just, like... I was just, How old were you? I was, like, five. I just... I got oh up and God. I just sang. I wasn't playing guitar. And then when I was um, probably 13, I think, like, in high school, we had big concerts a few times a year. Yeah. And I did... Uh, I think it was Mad World or oh, or right. Hallelujah. I don't right. remember one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just stood very still and apparently I pulled really funny faces because that's what I do when I sing sometimes. Like I kind of get a bit lost in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so liberating and fantastic but also terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always one or the other. You never find like, oh, this is good but, you know, I'm kind of working through it. It's either just like, I'm fucking ruling the world right now or... I'm quitting music. I'm never doing this again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a very um, like inflated experience either way. You mentioned uh, playing in bands in high school. What can you tell me about those? Like uh, what kind of stuff are you playing? Well, I, I mainly played, like I've always done kind of singer-songwriter-y stuff. I okay. mean, I, I did sing for a few like band projects just for the concerts. Right. And then I was in a like a folk duo, myself and my friend Lily. We sang... We would write and sing kind of like very sentimental folk songs. I think we were called the Sentimentals, actually. The Sentimentals. Oh, that's adorable. Um, but yeah, I mean, we listened to a lot of Joni Mitchell, Simon Garfunkel. Ah, uh, like, yes, of course. Yeah. And that is probably when I decided, that was when I was like, I want to be a songwriter, was was when I fell in love with Joni Mitchell. And I was like, yeah. that is when I fell in love with songwriting itself. Because I previously also, I wanted to be like a, po- a poet. And I was like yeah, right. really interested in poetry. And then I was like, well, I can't do that that's not that's not a thing yeah and so music kind of made a lot of sense and then listening to artists like Joni Mitchell was a way to kind of yeah like I was like whoa this is poetry so were you just kind of playing around like I guess like the local like cafes and and pubs and that sort of stuff yeah cafes like markets and like things like that and we played at um I actually played at Carriage Works oh yeah yeah in Redfern yeah yeah one, one time for it was a really strange event but some someone had seen us playing at the cafe, and then just were like, do you want to be part of our festival yeah, thing? Right. And so we did that. <laughs> um, but yeah, just kind of random community events and stuff. And then when I was like kind of 17, I was in a band called Breakfast at Panda. I don't know what that name means. Um, <laughs> yeah, it definitely sounds like a random like name yeah, generator. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like all of my friends' bands were kind of starting to play at Manly Fishers. They would, oh, they would yeah, put yeah. on a few underage events, and so we started playing there. What kind of stuff was that? It was a bit of a mixture. So there was two of us singing, my friend and my my, my friend Alice and myself. And Alice had a kind of Karen O, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah's vibe. And then nice. every, you know, those in those early bands, every person's like each song sounds like each member's influence. Like favorite band, yeah, yeah, totally. So I feel yeah. like it was like a bit of a combination between the yeah, yeah, yeah's, White Stripes, Radiohead, Libertines, Baby Shambles, yeah, like and the Beatles, like all of that. That kind of what, stuff. What was your part in that? I was very much into Baby Shambles and Libertines. Yeah, right. Yeah, like I was a hectic Pete Doherty fan. Yeah, true. Yeah, that idea of the broken, tragic yeah. um, rock star poet yeah, thing. Yeah, like, yeah, totally. It's such an age-old story, and I think as you get older, I'm, I'm 
I, you realize that that's yeah. <laughs> you go, it's you, a horrible yeah, way to yeah. live. And, oh, man. Yeah. So where do these kind of projects go from there? Like, have you put out EPs? Are you like, getting to play much outside of your little kind of manly bubble once high school ends? Or do these projects kind of die with high school? Well, I think Breakfast at Panda was actually just post-high school, maybe. Like, around the 17, 18 mark. Yeah. And we put out an EP or a demo tape with like five songs on it Mm -hmm. and then it went onto MySpace you know as it does oh of course yeah Um, it was around that time the Sentimentals Lily and I didn't put anything out we just wrote a lot of songs and you know sang them yeah right yeah Um, and then I think what happened I don't know everyone just started doing different things you know one of one of the members is a painter and three of us are all still playing in different projects I think yeah right Courtney who plays in my band is was in Breakfast at Panda. And right, Maxo right, right. used to. Maxo was in Breakfast at Panda, but now he's in a few other bands as well. Yeah, sick. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's lovely you can kind of keep that kind of community going, even if it's not like ostensibly the same as it originally was. You know, yeah. just kind of keeping that through line going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Are there any other kind of bands or projects that kind of uh, come up for you pre? You know, this like whatever, you know, quote-unquote Huck Hastings is? Like, did was that always kind of in the back of your mind that you'd kind of go to, like, a solo project? Or were you, were you always envisioning a band? Like, how did, how did that kind of formulate? Well, I was um, c- quite upset when the band stopped. Like, you know, n- like, not in a bad blood kind of way, but I love writing songs and I really cherish my songs once I write them. They, they mm. f- I mean, and then I end up, cringing at them but I mean I um I found it hard to let those songs go but it also didn't feel right to play them yeah on my own and it was almost I feel like the equivalent of like never dating again after a breakup like I was like I was just like I need to be working on something that like that I can continue that is mine the whole way through that Mm. like I won't feel like I need to abandon if anything happens because people change I think and that's yeah you know it's over time you're gonna different people and that's yeah. that's why bands are hard to keep together yeah totally yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so that's when I started doing the Huck stuff yeah I mean I really love being in bands and I love Huck as a band there's like something about the camaraderie and playing together it just it's I've always liked being in bands sure totally yeah 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 so do you remember what the first show was under this new moniker and with this new project the Excelsior in Glee oh yeah 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 yeah. I think it's still there's footage of it on YouTube oh wow I mean there may, there may not be after I just remembered that I shall go and take it down <laughs> copyright claim yeah. it was pretty um, pretty shocking but I mean it was fun actually it was like really fun has your relationship changed with performing much from you know those I, I guess as you get older you kind of develop a better understanding of you know your strengths and weaknesses and and you know what makes you kind of click on stage i don't know like as you were forging into this new project like did you feel more at ease with with playing live shows as you had with your previous band uh it is a bit of a combination i guess i'm not the most confident guitar player um i'm getting more and more confident as time goes by but because i never kind of studied in a structured or kind of i mean i just learned guitar i just started playing to put something behind my words yeah so i was and in breakfast at panda i just sang um so it was bringing a guitar into the mix and but i was i had a very rambunctious attitude back then you know it was loose and raucous and like it was much more of that energy so i don't think i cared as much i was kind of like i think i just 
burst out of adolescence and I coming up with the, the, the moniker and name Huck, like Huck Hastings, it was a way for me to kind of like be this person untethered from right. this idea of myself that I had ha- yeah, had or yeah, been as seen opposed as. to just literally just coming up and playing under your real name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so it allowed me to be a lot more loose and free and rambunctious. But now as, you know, as I've gotten older, I think I'm, I'm just myself. Not that I wasn't then. I feel like I'm more settled now. So it's like, right. the, I'm, I'm just trying to be a good performer and to be real and open and honest on stage. I think mm, it's, sure. it's a little, it's a lot, le- a lot less chaotic. Yeah, as I was saying before, like I came into the picture and like it, towards the tail end of last year, when like when shows were opening up again and people were starting to play more. Like pre-COVID, like were you working much? Like were you, were you the kind of person that was you know just constantly on the lookout for shows, booking shows, all that sort of stuff, or was it the kind of thing? Where I don't know, was there a degree of reticence in in terms of you know kind of putting yourself out there and you know kind of playing these new and obviously you know like like you said you know very autobiographical sort of songs you know like what was your what was the kind of relationship between I guess writing and performing for you pre pre everything um, in that last year before COVID I was playing quite a lot yeah um, right. I'd kind of jeed up because I hadn't put out anything out in quite a while and then I dropped Hey Babe and it was a bit of a new sound for me my older stuff was a lot more melancholy and angsty. Right. Um, and my newer stuff is a much different sound and it's less written out of like an intense emotion. And I, I like to think that there's a bit more sense of like trying to understand responsibility from yep. both both perspectives and sides of a story. But yeah, I've been playing, I just re- launched with a new band and I'd recorded the first, uh, I recorded three singles, which I was kind of, getting ready to start yeah. dropping and right yeah I'd sequentially yeah 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 and i i didn't have like the whole album in my head i knew that i'd been work was working on the same album that i had been for years and yeah like yeah, yeah. i was like it'll be ready when it's ready kind of thing yeah but i'm not a huge chaser of gigs but i'm yeah like i when i play it ends up like i usually will have, like be lucky enough to just have a few gig offers on the on the go. Sure. Yeah, so yeah, sure. Like, it, I kind of just... I feel like it's that limit. Maybe that not... A bit of that law of attraction. It's like when it rains, it pours. Yeah, totally. Like, kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah, I get you. I get you. I'm curious as well because you are also uh, someone that, you know, has these various levels of performances, whether that be literally just playing by yourself or having a couple of extra people up with you in like a duo or a trio kind of thing or having a full band playing with you. Uh, you can go from playing shows that are, you're opening for someone and there's a chance that a lot of people going to see you won't know who you are as opposed to putting on a show yourself and knowing that the people are coming because they know you and they know your music and stuff like that. Does your approach to performance change depending on the context of the show? Like whether it is just you or a couple of other people or the full band or indeed if it's a supporting show or a headlining show or anything like that. Does your approach to playing live change with the context or do you come at every show with uh, like a degree of consistency? I like playing in different setups and different environments, uh, like with different players. And I've done this for years, you know, it's like sometimes I'll just, you know, just do a show with myself and a violinist or I really love collaboration. And I think that also it keeps it fresh for the audience to come. You don't know what you're going to get. And so for instance, with the Andy Bull show, you know, I mean, Andy's, Andy was playing solo 
and I, I just asked if it was okay with them that I do a duo set because I'm, I'm not enjoying playing solo as much at the moment. I don't know why that is, and I'm sure it won't always be the case, but I don't know. And I, I think, like, thinking about just what would be a good vibe for the show, I do yeah. approach that, like, with a sense of deliberateness. Yeah. But once I'm there, it's it's usually pretty much just the same thing. I think trying to give, try and have an authentic connection with the audience and try and be myself and try and perform as best I can. Yeah, gotcha, I gotcha. Well, yeah, like, on that note, like, outside of the, the quote-unquote Huck Hastings stuff, you've been... Uh, playing with some other bands and projects as well. Like, how did those kind of develop? Well, Hollow States, we haven't put anything out in a few years, but we're about to drop a single sometime soon. Yeah. Um, we just shot a video for that, and that one Andy produced. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, so that one should be... Anyway, that'll be fun to launch that again. But I met Hayden on my street. He was a neighbour. Yeah, right. And, yeah, he sent me some songs, and I liked the songs, and I think I... I'm pretty open, so I just end up, like, kind of meeting people and falling into things. With Hacky Sack, Sachin and I, we worked in a bookshop together. We just got along really well and shared a lot of musical taste. And I think also we're quite different people. I really liked the stuff that he would show me, and um, I'd wanted to work with him for a long time, and I kind of eventually just, like, forced him into starting a band with me no <laughs> not really we were on like a work trip actually and there were two guitars there and we just ended up jamming yeah sure. and i had kind of the stem like the base the basic bit for exaggerating our first single and with completely different lyrics and then it just ended up came up with the bed of that song and then i ended up changing the lyrics which yeah. with the hacky sack songs it's really different because with the huck hastings songs it's so de- like i don't know it's not deliberate in terms of think like sitting there constructing them because I'm a bit of just a purge writer but it's like I'm writing because the Huck stuff I feel this um, deep need to be uh, like a something for me to look back on as time goes past and right. and like uh, chronicle my life so I can look back because I, I, I don't keep a journal and I'm not good at that but it, yeah. it it's a way for me to process and um, be able to look back on periods of my life mm-hmm. particularly periods of like big growth and change but with the Hacky Stack stuff I find myself constantly rewriting and being able to be a bit more like playful and blend Mm. parts like very real parts of my life and you know almost simulate out other how things might happen and that type of thing so you feel like you put kind of i guess less pressure on on stuff like that yeah it's a bit more of an experiment and also like because it's a collaboration it's not just my input Mm. so like like at the end of the day we have an equal say in everything so it's like it forces that dynamic to be one of more playfulness Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. When you're young and you're starting out, like I feel like everyone has a very idealistic kind of rock documentary, biopic kind of view of like what bands are like and what being a musician is. And there's always a moment in those VH1s or biopic movies or whatever, and it's just like, and this is where the band or artist had quote-unquote made it. And it's this very trite, idealistic view of, you know, like the trajectory of bands and how like working in the industry works and all that sort of stuff. But I feel like, as, you know, tried as it might be, I feel like every musician has those moments for themselves, whether that's getting to play a certain place or being acknowledged by a certain artist or getting to travel somewhere, you know, on the basis of your music or just anything to do with what you are doing as a performer. Like, 
for you, when you look at what you've been able to do already, like across performing and playing in bands and making music, is there anything that kind of sticks out to you going back to, you know, the teenage you kind of thing? Like if they knew ultimately pursuing music would lead them to something like this, like they wouldn't believe you. Mm, yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting because I think, I mean, it, now that I think about it, I mean, I'm sure that teenage me would be happy and impressed with what I'm doing. Yeah. But from the inside, you know, I spend a lot of my days working really hard on what I do and yeah. not just on the music side, but on the actual like sending emails and that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, I don't push gigs, but I do try and make connections and collaborate and meet people and, yeah. you know, send my singles to radio and do like do that that kind of work. And it's a yeah. lot of kind of hands on work. And so I think from the outside, things look different like very different to, to to how I might see them myself because my head is so caught up in doing it. Yeah. And it's kind of, I don't think, I wonder if there would even in the future be a moment because I think that I'm just like, like when someone would ask me what's the end goal, it's like it, my end goal is just to keep growing. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't, it's like how far will I keep pushing that marker? I think like for me just feeling really stable and secure, you don't make a lot of money early on, I think. Yeah, and of it's, course, So it's yeah. like, um, it would be really nice to just be able to go, oh, I want to do this video with this concept and be able to do it and yeah. not have to, you know, it's a lot of things, art costs a lot of money to make. Yeah, yeah. this is true. <laughs> uh. So I think that kind of is what I'm seeking and searching for. And yeah. hopefully, I mean, I'm pretty content with, you know, what I'm doing and just trying to enjoy the process. Do you feel like the motivation to continue to write and record and make music and perform and stuff like that is the same as it was when you first started doing it? Or do you feel like it's contextually changed as you've gotten older? I think it's always changing. Yeah. I think when I started music, I just wanted to be, like, I wanted to be understood. And, like, I think that there's a great Fiona Apple quote and she said, uh, I think she said something along the lines of, you know, I got into music to feel understood and I only came out feeling less understood and I I felt quite like that kind of hits the nail on the head and I think over periods of time yeah it it just it just changes I think I also am a very ambitious person and I think sometimes I'm resentful of my ambition and wish that I could just be solely in the art Mm. but I also really want my art to be to meet the ears of people and to touch people and to help people and Right. And so it, that's, I think, a hard thing for me to kind of reconcile myself with sometimes is my own ambition and the need the need for it, like the need for validation. Right. But I think deep down my, my motivations are to create like art and that, that is, I think, in the beginning what started it as well. Yeah. All right. We'll wrap it up here. But before we do that, I ask this of all of my guests and now it is your turn. I want to know about the best and the worst shows that you have ever played. <laughs> yeah, I... I was waiting for this question. I was trying, I was trying to think. Um, Done your homework. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I had to wrap it up actually because I was listening to <laughs> listening to the, some episodes of the podcast before you came, and I was like, it made me feel like you were somewhere else, really far away. And I was like, oh, you'll be here pretty soon anyway. So, <laughs> I think uh, I had this one. It probably I probably had way worse shows than this, to be honest with you. But there was a moment where I was just sitting playing in a bar. Yeah, and the songs that I was playing kind of didn't feel representative of me any longer like I was playing these really sad songs from the point of view of a really depressed person who which I no longer was Mm. but it was like such a depressing environment no one was listening you know your classic like just your your background noise and I only took the gig because I've always tried to make a point of not taking gigs where I'm background noise because number one it's like if you've heard my music I mean yeah. like at that time I was like quite yelling as well in my songs you know oh, I, I would right. get like kind of like bright eyesy like okay. gritty yelly 
And I was like, you just have, you have done your research, you know, you don't, like, <laughs> you, you don't want me singing, singing in your venue. Like, oh, Lord, yeah. Um, but I just was like, oh, this is sad. It felt sad. Mm. There, was, there, was, there was one really nice guy in the back who was just watching and, like, came up after him. It was pleasant. So that was, you know, Silver Linings Playbook. But yeah. <laughs> the best one, I mean, look, like, the, I think the last show I played with the boys, I felt fantastic. I just love playing with my friends, and that's kind of what, like... Oh, as in... The boys, yeah. Oh, like the B-U-O-Y-S? B- yeah, 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 the boys. Yeah. Like, that last show was so much fun. Oh, they were like, an incredible band. They're so good, and they're so such great people. But that also, was Oxford Art Factory? Yeah, it was. Yeah, nice. Um, but also, it was the first full band show back post-COVID. Oh, awesome. Like, yeah. we'd done with Jack Hall, you know, we did a trio, and yeah, I did yeah, the yeah. duo shows with Andy. And also, I'd just added keys into the mix, so it went from being like, yeah... So it was, it was like a five piece and it just felt so big and so right. And it was, yeah, it was just felt good. And Hell I think, yeah. yeah, I hope, but hopefully they just keep, you know, it, but it is that same feeling of just being able to like turn to your friends next to you on stage and be like, yeah, this is a vibe. Yeah, totally. That's, that's what we're after. The good vibrations. That's it. Huck, you have a new album. Yes. What's it called? It's called Cheers to Progress. It'll be out now and out still by the time that you hear this. So yeah. congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, have a listen. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today. Really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in Barbados. You've just listened to a not-for-print podcast, independent Australian podcasting.